Hello, hello, K2H. So as we continue this highlighting of uh, AAPI Heritage Month and celebrating all things Asian American and all things Asian, uh, I think today's focus is a really exciting one. We're bringing it into martial arts and the roots of the histories of, of this art form and how it serves as a very important form of self-defense. Um, it's also a very exciting genre in films. If you've ever watched Kung Fu films, which I have grown up with, it is something that digs deep into um, a, a ch the Chinese culture that we're going to hopefully unpack a little bit by these two gentlemen who have just created and published a book about um, combat and it's called combat chumqiu. I don't know how you say it in English because I think of it in Chinese. Chumqiu, I'll let Paul explain that. But first let me introduce our two wonderful guests. I have Paul Chu who uh, is a real estate broker actually and doing a lot of things that I had no idea all this time that he was a martial arts guru. And, uh, and I'll let him explain a little bit more about his background and training. Uh, but let me introduce my other guest is Greg Tupper who's also been training and teaching for many years. And what's really funny is both of you guys have known each other for over 30 years, as I understand, all the way back in the you know, Silicon Valley era. You guys are in different fields. You're not in any form of you know, athletic profession. You know, One's a marketing guy, one's a software engineering guy. You guys come together with a mutual passion and you've developed and you've shared this process of of, of developing a very important skill set that you want to share in this book. So welcome to both of you, Greg and Paul, for coming on to K2H first. Thank you. So let's start off by um, having you both introduce a little bit about yourselves and uh, what you want us to know and how this book came about. Okay, Greg. All right. Well, uh, my name is Greg Tupper. I am a uh, uh, ninth generation from uh, the founder of Wing Chun, uh, which is a style that uh, um, most people know Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee studied from Yip Man, and my instructor studied from Yip Man. And uh, so I, I was his inside student, and I've been doing this for 50 years. And so what I have tried to do with my books, I've written seven books now, wow. what I've tried to do... What I've tried to do with my books is preserve this the way it, it was a long time ago with all of these insiders, you know. It became a very popular thing because of Bruce Lee. But what we're doing is what how it used to be. And what we're trying to preserve is how it used to be before it became so commercial. And, so you're saying there's uh, a difference between what it used to be and, and how it's being treated today. Right. Oh, okay. Try to do it in a nice way because people are trying to make a living out of that, you know. Uh, Paul and I don't need to make a living out of it. We're doing this to preserve something very sacred that uh, we don't want to see go away. You know? Is it kind of like yoga, how it's kind of transformed into this trendy lifestyle thing where we're missing and losing the origins and the actual kind of reasons for it and practices, Is would you say? Well, you know, it's like, um, let's try to introduce Paul. No, 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 <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, you know, the Chinese, uh, a lot of time they say, okay, I'm not going to teach you 100%, right? If I'm going to teach you 100%, what if you're going to use it against me or something? Ah. So they retain maybe 10%, so 90%. And after a few generations, that 90% basically get into, you know, 60, 70%. I, I think that one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that uh, people just don't remember 
So, you know, I learned it a, a, a long time ago. If I have to teach it to somebody else, I don't remember what I said. But Greg is, is uh, uh, very meticulous. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I look at it. No, he, whatever he learned, he wrote it down. And then it's really a journey to go back and look at his notes and say, wow, you know, you did that like, you know, 50 years ago. And this is good, you know, and that's how we actually do this uh, exploration together. But both of you had met in California and your training was in California. Did you not go back to, you know, Hong Kong or China or anywhere else to train? Well, it's a deal. It, it's like, you know, uh, we both work in the Silicon Valley. And then you ask the question, you know, two people in the different fields, but we're in the same company. We're in a high tech startup. I was the marketing guy and he was the, you know, the technical guy. And when we met, basically I was beating up on engineering and say, Hey, I need the product, get it to me. Right. And then Greg was saying, no, you know, and then he's like, Oh, you know, this is like a chunk of a tree. If you, you know, you want to, you want me to give you the branches because, you know, I sold it to a customer. He said, no. You know, you're not going to make me move because I'm going to uh, I'm going to complete the trunk of the tree before I give it to you. And we were like, you know, who is this guy? You know, and then during the conversation, I kind of realized that, you know, he is kind of a martial artist, too. Right. You know, somehow, you know, you kind of get the get the feeling. And then we get a talking and say, oh. Why you know, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a you know, white guy, no, no income, come on, you know. And then we're thinking, that, wow, this guy is good, you know. And then, I, you know, we get to like, you know, uh, uh, getting together and then, you know, work out together. But then after that, I went back to Hong Kong. And then I, I went back to Hong Kong for about 20 years. And then we kind of lost, you know, touch. I mean, back in Baldwin, you know, we go back. But then, um, Maybe maybe about 15 years ago, I start coming over here again. And then every time I come over here, I would stop by and, and you know, meet up with uh, Greg and we work out together. He taught me a lot of stuff and say, wow, this is really good stuff. You know, so we, we continue this, this, this uh, journey together. Wow. In fact, we still, I live in uh, um, Carmel. Carmel. Okay. And uh, uh, he lives here and, and we put on FaceTime and we do the dummy together and, you know, we, we work out together. We go through the notes and go, well, wait a minute here. Is, is that really uh, towards the human potential and fighting? You know, uh, did I make a mistake in my notes here? And sometimes we find a, a mistake where, oh, this meant that, or the Chinese, you know, I try to explain to him what this is, you know, and I'll give him a Chinese word, you know, and we'll go back and forth on it, back and forth. And finally he'll go, Oh, you mean, you know, in such a way that he has the right tonal inflection because I don't know Cantonese very well, but I know a lot of Chinese terms that um, I have kind of a Chinglish type of, you know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. don't pronounce it right. Uh, you know, like it bongs out with the wing hand, right? You know, but we could be, I could be saying, I could call somebody's mother a horse because both are mop, right? You know, and so. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And that's great that during COVID, you're able to, um, you know, have these we virtual workouts every week, every week, every Tuesday, we meet up and, you know, we talk for, you know, a couple of hours and, you know. See, it just goes to show, you know, you can transcend this kind of lack of physical space to still train and push through and develop and, and, and right and, and process things. So that's really yeah, great. Yeah. Um, 
can we talk a little bit about, before we get to the origins of Wing Chun, which I'm really fascinated about, just back up a little bit. Tell us how you got into martial arts to begin with. Was it like, Paul, did you watch Kung Fu films growing up? Was it something that you were fascinated with before? Um, Greg, I mean, like, where was the inspiration? There's got to have been something that lit up that idea in your head. Yeah. I, for me, uh, I... I uh, my mom, when I was 16 years old, sent me to a judo school because I was little, you know, and, and uh, she was, you know, wanted me to be able to protect myself. Little did she know my spirit was already well enough. Yeah, I, I have a kind of a fighting spirit. So, you know, but nonetheless, it got, I was interested in it. It wasn't very much of it in the United States back in the 19, uh, what, 60s, late 60s, you know. And uh, so I took judo. And uh, then uh, uh, I moved, went away to college. In the process, I've studied eight styles of martial arts um, and uh, became a uh, pop keto instructor, huh. um, which is extremely effective. And I'm an un I, I was and still am, but don't tell anybody, I'm an undefeated fighter, okay? Whoa. I mean, I've been in a lot of fights. And, uh, but now I'm an old man, so don't tell anybody because I don't want to deal with it. Okay, K2H listeners, we're not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. So anyway, uh, um, when I took judo, I, I realized there was something instinctual there because um, the uh, fifth degree uh, black belt came to uh, teach the class. And uh, um, so he had a, a black belt uh, throw me and the guy was tall, you know, and he he did a type of throw where he put his leg out like a table and he threw me from way up in the air. I came crashing down and I landed on my feet and threw him. And, <laughs> you know, it just happened by accident. It was like, whoa, there he goes, you know. And so this guy was so blown away that a beginner could do that to a black belt that and it was an accident. You know, I just my weight just happened to go right. And uh, so he taught me the rest of the day, the rest of the class he spent with me and taught me all kinds, took me through several levels of, of judo. Then when I went away to uh, study uh, karate and stuff like that, uh, I studied different styles and then became, had my own hot keto school. And along towards uh, what about, um, probably uh, mid or, or I don't remember how long ago, but anyway, I saw Bruce Lee's movie and, and I was already had my own school in Hapkido and something about how he moved and his spirit. Um, you know how sometimes you can feel something from somebody and, mm. and you just feel like you're doing it. You feel, you feel it. You can't explain it. You can't understand it, you know? And if you tell anybody, they think you're nuts. Oh, you know? yeah, no. Every time I used to watch Kung Fu films growing up, I would leave the theater feeling like I could kick ass like it's weird there you go that's it that's that same feeling yeah yeah that's absolutely it. that sent me on a quest of like i need to find out how this guy learned to do this stuff and so i started i moved to san francisco i just up and left and moved to san francisco and i had a hot keto student that uh, uh uh came down and moved down with me after i moved there you know, and I made him a partner the way I made Paul a partner, you know, and uh, the way you get ahead in martial arts is you find somebody to teach you while you teach them. And both of you can trust each other not to hurt each other, but you go at it with everything, you know, wow. 
Wow. Uh, but yet you were careful to protect them. And but if you find a hole, it's <laughs> still working. You know? okay. <laughs> it's bad. It's kind of really bad. That was a bad hit. All right. Thank you for sharing. Paul, what's your story about your introduction to martial arts? Well, you know, I uh, grew up in Hong Kong, right? And in the yeah. 60s, there was way before, you know, even Bruce Lee and so on. Uh, and martial arts is a thing, right? You're in high school, uh, you know, you're always into this you know, fight and stuff like that. So you have to learn to protect yourself. And I think most of the male students at that time would, you know, take up some sort of martial art. Really? I, it was kind yeah, of common? Oh. Yeah, in, in, in the 60s, right? And then I took some, you know, I would say that about 50% of my class learned some sort of martial art. And huh. at that time, there was a choice, you know, Wing Chun, Bak Mei, Choi Li Fat, Siu Lam, you know, Hong Kun and all that kind of stuff. So I study uh, white brow, white brow, right? What do you call white that? Brow? Uh, yeah, Bak Mei. What is that? Well, that was an actual school, like a style? That's a, yeah, that's a style, Bak Mei, wow. you know, like, yeah. you know, Bak Mei, Dou Yan and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay. I learned that for a while. And then I, I switched to, you know, Taekwondo, I switched to Tai Chi, you know, for a long time. And that this is kind of uh, a regret on my part too, because, you know, I think Wing Chun is the best, right? And at that time, if man was still alive, uh, our Si Gong, Wong Sun Leung, was still alive. I could have studied from these guys, but I did not, you know, I kind of took the, you know, whatever, I took all these uh, different styles. And then finally, uh, and then even when I went back to Hong Kong, I studied uh, tai Chi for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, Tai Chi is good, you know, it's good for, you know, uh, physically uh, right. uh, improving yeah. your, your, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But at least it, it will take you a long time to learn how to fight in Tai Chi, right? Whereas Wing Chun is very practical. Wing Chun is, you know, like a six-month Wing Chun guy can fight, you know? Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, so that's why, I, I, you know, I say, well, I'm going to come, come back to Wing Chun. And then I started training and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, get hooked up with, with uh, you know, Greg. And, and that, that's how I got into Wing Chun again. Interesting. So both of you had explored all these different styles. Is that something that is confusing or conflicting, you know, when you have different f ways of thinking? And you, what do you do? I mean, how do you approach it and accept that new style? And then what do you do? Push out the other one and retrain your brain? How does that work with all these different styles? And what does that mean to have different styles? You know, We, we had a discussion on that yesterday. And I said, hey, um, I am really, you know, and again, regretful that I took out a different style uh, because a lot of people, you know, we say, wow, this is good. You know, this move in, in uh, uh, Taekwondo is good. Oh, this move is excellent. I want to learn it. But every style has a characteristic and every style you know, even for me, for, for, for us, right? We say, hey, there's so much more in Wing Chun that we need to explore. So instead of going wide, I think to me and my advice to other people would also say that, go deep. Whatever the style is, you know, Taekwondo, uh, you know, Tai Chi, you know, whatever. They all exist for a reason. Hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just kind of, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. No, go deep. 
it, it, it kind Indeed. of yeah, it sounds very philosophical <laughs> unpack that you know what we're going to do um because we now we just kind of gave a little teaser of what this martial arts world is and how you got into it let's take a quick break when we come back let's enter and explain the origins of wing chun and maybe okay. you can unpack a little of the, the beauty behind it and how this has become like your life and world so uh everyone don't go away i'm talking to uh paul and greg about uh the the martial arts world of Wing Chun. Welcome back, K2H. You are listening to Quok Talk. I'm here talking to Paul Chu and Greg Tupper about this new book that they've come up with called Combat Tum Q, which I will let Paul kind of unpack a little bit. But Paul and Greg, you are really kind of, um, it's very interesting. So I'm going to just throw it out there. You are both not spring chickens but you've had this extensive training and you're talking about your youth coming out and, and, and loving this, this, this art form of martial arts and training. Um, and so let's go back into the kind of the art form of Wing Chun specifically. You did, Greg, mention that it was something that I think Bruce Lee was one of the inspirations to that, you know, beautiful art form. Can you um, explain what it means? What is Wing Chun? How did it start? And how do we unpack it? Well, when, when you uh, um, have studied something your whole life, you know, it's like been, been a core thing. Um, you, uh, especially if you've explored a lot of different stuff before you found something that seemed like a tuning fork that was raining the right tone. Um, what Wen Chong turned out to be was, uh, it was invented by a woman, Ng Mui, and- uh, What, what uh, era? What time period are we talking about? Talking 1800s. Yeah, probably like the Qing Dynasty. Okay. Yeah. Ng Mui. Ng Mui was, you know, one of the, the Xiu Long, you know, the five people from Xiaodong Temple. Yeah. They, you know, people, the Qing thing, you know, they, they burned down the, the Xiaodong Temple and five of them escaped and Ng Mui was one of them. I see. Okay, thank you. And uh, she was also a champion of the Mui Fa Pai. And that's a bunch of telephone poles. I mean, flat ground wasn't enough for her. She fought in three dimensions on different sized poles and was world champion. Mui Fa Chong. Yeah, she was a serious human being. And so she, after she escaped the Shaolin Temple, uh, she, you know, be, had a very meditative type of life. And she consolidated everything that she'd learned by cutting out all the unessentials, you know? And what came out of that is a body of knowledge that um, there was no style or anything yet, but she found out that a uh, soybean uh, cake maker uh, named Wen Chung, Yim Wen Chung, Yim Wen Chung, Yim Wen Chung, I don't know about my, I apologize for my pronunciation. Um, but uh, some guy was terrorizing her, right? And so Nick Ngui found out about this and she taught her Wen Chung so that she could protect herself against this guy. And uh, that's how the thing got started. And it got passed down from generation to generation. What, what we're studying here isn't so much uh, a style of something, you know, or a animal style or say people style, but it's about the human potential in fighting. And I have never in all of my studies found anything that got close to covering the human potential in fighting. And so 
Um, you think because we get caught up with styles, you know, we get caught up with it the way like film uh, kind of misrepresents or kind of like turns it into, oh, this is this cloth, uh, you know, and we, we get consumed with the outer representation of the art form. And, and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Taekwondo is better than this, you know, MMA is better than this, you know, whatever. It's not really the, the style, whatever. It's you, you know, the guy, right? You know, uh, a, a Shaolin, a Hong Kong guy beat up a Wing Chun guy. Well, his Wing Chun is not as good as the Hong Kong guy. That's it. But that doesn't mean that Hong Kong is better than Wing Chun. So yeah. it's individualized, you know, that, yeah. Okay. And different uses too. Yeah. MMA is a sport with, with a referee, you know? Uh, what this is about is how do you protect yourself, um, you know, in a violent confrontation where survival is the the uh, situation. No referees, nobody's going to help you, you know. Um, that's what this stuff's about. This stuff is serious. So and it's about self-defense. It's not so much about performance? Or not much about performance, no. Not if you all. look at a Wing Chun, you know, you asked about Chum Kiu, right? Wing Chun actually had three, um, what do you call that? Three forms. Yeah. The simplest one is called Siu Lim Tao, little idea. The second one is Chum Kiu, searching the, 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 the bridge. The third one is called Biu Ji, you know, Biu Ji. Uh, and that's it, you know, those are the three forms. And then there's a dummy, uh, a pole form and a knife form. Each of these things expand, it, they unlock the keys to a whole new kingdom. The first kingdom is shut up, get rid of your, your conscious mind, get rid of your ego, stand there in one spot and I'll show you how your arms move in relationship to a line that runs through your center of gravity to the center of the earth. You know, we call it the gravity line. Nobody, not even other Wen Chung men talk about the gravity line. That's a concept from our, uh, our way of doing Wen Chung, which Paul named Precision Wen Chun after he got to know about what it was we were doing here. And uh, um, so you have several lines that are important, all right? Just briefly, no techniques or anything like that. It's just like you have a center of gravity that runs through your pantheon, you know? And that center of gravity, if we draw it with a 3D uh, character, um, an avatar, and put a line there, Every place that the avatar moves, if I'm standing here like this and I move here, I have changed from a 50-50 uh, weight on each foot to 60-40 on each foot. There are eight of those positions where the weight is where your bones are lined up in the strongest that they can possibly be in reference to a bridge line, you know, in reference to where the opponent is, you know, there is no way and I know after 50 years, there's no other way to line up to where your bones are as aligned along that line as, as they are in that stance. There's eight of them. But do you think- Most that, people don't know this, but there's only eight of them, you know? Is, is, is that a scientific thing that the Chinese had thought about or is that that you're unpacking what you think they believed the structural form was? It's what we see them do but nobody has talked about it really because they weren't thinking like that. It is a good question that you ask, uh, you know, Crystal, yeah. because we did not invent it. Yeah. We discover it. 
And the way, you know, we discover it is, you know, the form is like everybody do the same form, right? And then you look at it, and what are the commonalities and what, you know, how many sections can I break it into that have some common move? And then we say, wow, the guy who actually came up with the form is a genius. Because, you know, they have all these different things. Like, you know, Chum Kill, you find out about bridges, you know, and, you know, how many ways to, 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 to overcome the, the, the bridge. And then, you know, and then Brad basically articulated them, you know, this is chapter one and chapter two, and how do you actually do that? And, yeah. and it's it not anything that we invented, but it's something that was know, already there. It's already there. All we did was study it, you know? And when you study something enough, the human brain has the capacity to cut out the unessential and get down to the bare, bare facts, you know? And uh, any sport, anything that you do in life, um, if you can keep track of your, your uh, tontium when you're doing it, then you can position that tontium so that you can be in position where uh, you could actually attack that, you could actually deliver some force on the person, or uh, he can try to deliver it on you, but he's delivering it somewhere besides where you are because you know where you are. He has no idea. Right, he's just trying to get you, you know, and and so well, what you do. It sounds like it's a relationship between your perception of your surroundings. It's not just your inner power, even though that's important too, right? It's, it's more really important a perception of yourself, huh? Right, and then that's Siulim Tao. Okay, that's the first What's step. The Chinese character of that. Siulim Tao. Oh, oh, right. Little, you yeah. said that before. The little mind thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. have time to learn Cantonese. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but this is um, interesting because this is like a form of learning through your body, right? A lot of times, you know, also because you know, coming back to the UH campuses, we have an academic setting, and I think there's uh, so much privilege around writing and and you know academic work and we don't privilege enough the body as a way of knowing and i think through martial arts is you're presenting a form that has its own philosophy and ways of being that we we underappreciate and through your book you're actually kind of unpacking that and how we do that right. so i think i mean in our short time maybe after a quick break is we can come back and you can demonstrate a little bit of the forms and our listeners can try to imagine how it's moved and if not people can look onto our facebook page to see you actually demonstrating how's that sound um yeah that's, i wanted to interject something because yeah, what you talked about is it, just you know natural um why are we actually doing this you know um is we actually see a lot of it has been lost over the years and uh, we wanted to kind of preserve it and like you say, there's a, a depth of knowledge that uh, not a lot of people, you know, know about. And we, you know, two old men, right? You know, we <laughs> wanted to kind of like, okay, how do we preserve it for the next generation? So we start out this journey by writing books, but then the next few steps would be like, okay, how do I, uh, you know, teach people, people who want to learn? And that's why I actually start talking to you and say, hey, the, 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 the knowledge is actually, uh, you can actually make it to be a syllabus, to be taught in a class or, or something. And that's why I say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, there's some uh, platform, some forum that we can share this knowledge, you know, whether right. it's through University of Hawaii or, or 
you know, some other form. Right. But that, that's how come we, we are uh, exploring that. that well, let's hope that the people in the Chinese studies, ethnic studies, Asian studies departments are listening because you think about it, why, you know, we, I think the university offers things like Chinese literature uh, or Chinese culture through films, uh, things like that. So why can't we have this idea of learning culture through the form of martial arts, right? You know, it, it just and opens up another way. already done. The text is already there. Right. It's written like a textbook. I would add that because I'm in the performance studies, um, studies, which is in the theater department, I would argue that this is also um, not performance to say, but the performative nature of this particular um, martial arts style is something that can also be integrated into uh, the theatrical world because let me just tell you they have like all these um, trainings of com combat theater is, is a huge thing right of how to fall like you do a Shakespearean play how is that battle and how do you how do you train the actor's body to be a certain way you know and, and that kind of movement is not just performative in terms of for the audience, but for yourself and your spatial awareness and the training of your own ways and abilities to move. And I think it's really, if we open up the idea of martial arts, it's really quite very interesting and important to incorporate some aspect into our lives, right? You know, in the mornings, I don't know if you know, like um, early mornings when we did have non-virtual world at UH, I would drive through the campus and see Tai Chi being practiced in several locations. So there's an existence of some kind of practice. And I know it's not Wing Chun, but maybe we can build off of that. And maybe it's all connected somehow of our energies um, at UH with the energies all the way back to the history that you're trying to preserve and to to create knowledge on, right? It's really, yeah, it's fascinating. Great. Let's um, take a quick break and we'll come back and maybe you can show us a few moves. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Welcome back to my conversation with Paul Chu and Greg Tupper about their new book, Combat Q. And they're going to be, this is so exciting, even though it's virtual, they're going to demonstrate a little bit of a setup of some uh, self-defense kind of um, ways through this Wing Chun practice. Um, but before we do that, and you're going to set us up, I just wanted to highlight that, you know, there has been an increasing tension in anti-Asian hate crimes around the country, obviously. Um, not so much in Hawaii, but there's been some very devastating and very troubling issues with the idea of the Asian body. And um, I wanted to address this in a way that I'm not saying we're encouraging people to say, okay, we all have to pick up some self-defense mode to protect ourselves, but to draw awareness to what's going on today and why there is this, this stigma and this stereotype against Asians. And um, by even having you unpack the history, this beautiful history of martial arts into our practices today is, is a way of kind of maybe dismantling those things. And um, I appreciate that. And I just wanted to draw attention to how people, I don't know why, you know, and I don't know if you have thoughts on this violence, but how do we, you know, how do we make sense of this kind of crazy violent world right now? Do you want to say anything about that before you enter this space? I, mean, I, I had some experience, and uh, I don't know whether of you know being picked on, and and uh, I think it's not necessarily uh, racial. I, I don't know, but because I'm an old man, and I'm weak, and then people want to you know pick on you, right? <laughs> and then uh, I had several encounters over in Chinatown, where you know in um, Hawaii. 
in Hawaii and people would wow. just like come to you. But the thing is that, uh, you know, my advice is, okay, you know, um, look them back in the eye and don't, you know, like, you know, uh, pretend that you don't see them because that show weakness and they will wow. you know, come attack you. Uh, you just kind of look them in the eye. And one of the things that we're going to try to demonstrate is like, you don't have to fight them physically, but you can put yourself in a position, put in a position that they think twice about attacking you because they don't see a lot of, you know, weak opening and they can approach you this way, approach you that way, approach you that way. But then they say, hey, wait a minute, you might, you know, attack him that way. It's not a very safe uh, uh, position for themselves. And you can actually try to practice that. So I had, um, you know, a few encounters like that. Uh, one of the things that I have uh, as an advice also as an old man is that, you know, the people who wanted to attack me, right? Um, I also think twice about whether I would, you know, fight them back. And my model is that if I don't have to, of course, I don't want to fight because, you know, I'm an old guy and, uh, you know, I, I have a house, I have kids, I have family, right? And then, you know, if I fight a low life, you know, what, what, you know, what, what do I gain by that? Right. Even if I hurt him. So, uh, my motto is I will always try to stay away until my, my life is threatened until, you know, uh, I can get injury, whatever, then I would defend myself. Right. You know, it's like yeah. that old lady in San Francisco Chinatown who was exactly. attacked and she came back in. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's get real. Okay. Um, if you uh, uh, run into a violent person, you know, um, the thing that uh, you need to do, first of all, in, all, in any type of self-defense is don't be there. Don't go places where that's going to happen. Yeah. Don't, I mean, think, you know, don't drive through neighborhoods that you would, you wouldn't walk through at night. You know, don't, don't, you know, take care of yourself by being aware of your surroundings. You know, it's not like, I mean, I've been in, in uh, dozens of fights. And uh, when I was younger, I, I used to make myself available for bullies. I was a bully hunter. You know, um, because I, you know, I thought it was my job to protect people. You know, well, that was my problem, right? I don't have that problem anymore. Um, <laughs> now that I'm older, I realize that the Chinese saying of, of uh, anybody that fights is a person without ideas um, is really true. Because what happens uh, when you fight is, is that you hurt somebody um, and you, you can get sued. You could kill them by accident, especially mm. with Wing Chun. You oh. know, you could accidentally put them put them away. Wow. You know, uh, if you were afraid enough, you you could anyway. Um, so you you want to not be there if you can. Oh, but I'm here. I'm stuck. Here comes somebody aggressive. And so we'll show you a little bit of a scenario. It, this is a little bit difficult to do, but like he'll make something up. And I'll show you how to try it, how, how to position yourself so that, you know, you can not let on that you even know anything. And yet at the same time, if it goes too far, you start to see a knife come out or something like that, it gets serious fast, you know. But yeah. if it's still, he's still working his way up to it, 
maybe you can interrupt his uh, confidence enough and, and get yourself out of the situation. That's what we're going to try to show here. Okay, great. Uh, of course, you know, this is backed by a lot of skill. Okay. It's important to develop the skill too. Yes. You know? Yes. And then this demonstration is not like the traditional one you say, okay, you know, if you punch me this way, I'm going to block you. I'm going to attack you that way. If you kick me this way, I'm going to block this way and I attack you this way. Right. I mean, those are yeah. nice yeah. demonstrations, but right. you know, I, I think this is more practical. You, yeah. Because it doesn't happen ever the same way twice. Even if somebody's trying to attack you the same way twice, they don't know how, you know, they can't do the same. They can't actually do exactly the same thing twice. Right. Okay, yeah. so your your kind of your tactic is maybe avoidance or distract or dis decentering that kind of confrontation, right? Yeah, yeah, and diffusing it with your diffusing mouth, it. with your voice. Okay, yeah. so let's say if you were a girl, right? Would mm -hmm. that make a difference in the way you approach this scenario? That's an interesting question. <laughs> the number one line of self defense is know where you're going to run. I mean, for a woman. I mean, or a guy, if the guy is bigger than you and stuff like that, uh, is is to know where you're going to go, you know, um, like keep aware of your surroundings. As that starts happening, I'm looking around like, where's my exit, you know, and then I'm trying to work my way out of it and get closer to the exit. You need to know how to hide, you know, you need to know how to uh, uh, go towards where people are at, you know. What if he's he's grabbed a hold of you already? How do you how do you well, deal with then, that? Then, then from there, uh, remember this is a life or death situation. You know, you yeah. got you know run, broken field running. You know, yeah. You you just run as fast as you can and get away. Getting away is more important than winning, but okay. it's a man's testosterone and ego that makes us have to win. Right. Women aren't like that. I mean, usually. Right. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I used to teach women self-defense classes and I do things like I'd put them in a car, you know, with me and then I'd act like I'm going to drive them, drive them somewhere. And so we wouldn't actually be rolling. But then I'd say, and, you know, I'd have them try and get away from me. And uh, sometimes they cut you up. They get into it, you know, and yeah. uh, your claws or something and your teeth or something that can protect you if you have to. Right. You know? Wow. Okay. So most people are afraid to do it because oh, he'll hurt me worse. Yeah. You bite his nose off. He's not going to hurt you worse. You've got 10 seconds, at least 15 seconds. You, you can run, you know? And so, so you notice a lot of kind of that um, avoidance technique, like you said, to diffuse and to distract and to find ways to escape that situation. But can we bring it back to a more confrontational scenario where you're actually fighting? Like maybe, can you show a little bit about your your actual practice, your training? Okay. What, how do you, but how do you develop, you know, girls, I have very weak upper body strength. How do you develop that strength and impact to upper actually- Upper body strength thing. The, this is a, how much do you weigh? I, oh, I don't want to ask that. No, I'm like, uh, I'm like 110. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, say you weigh 110 pounds, yeah. right? Then that 110 pounds, if you strike correctly, that 110 pounds will be delivered at the end of that punch. You know, does that mean you can hit as hard as somebody that has 185 pounds, 200 pounds? No, but it doesn't matter. Because after that, you've got just another one, right? Oh, sorry. Um, 
So you have to learn how to transfer that power to, to that place of impact. With your bones, with your bones, right? And from your tantium, it's your leg muscles that you're punching with, right? So when you when you uh, when you go to do the Wing Chun punch is 99% of what uh, a Wing Chun fight ends at. You know, usually one Wing Chun punch and it's over with. Yeah, you can just you can use Paul. But but the thing is, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, but uh, the tiny thing is the Lik Chong Bei He means that the force is from the ground. When they say ground, it's actually, you know, the whole ground will support you because, you know, Newton's law, right? Uh, right. For every action, there's an equal and opposite uh, reaction. Yeah. So say that uh, a guy 200 pounds is running and he doesn't see a two by four and he runs right into it, right? Um, there's a lot of impact there. Yes, right. That's the same thing that happens when a 110 pound person punches somebody. It's not so much the strength that's involved, it's velocity that gives you force. And you only have 110 pounds to deliver or 90 pounds or whatever it is. And so, but you, if you deliver it with uh, into the center line uh, with a bone structure that's lined up, you will deliver all of the energy off of your thigh muscle, shooting your contium forward towards him, your center of gravity forward towards him at a, a rate that um, will have a high impact. And right. the beauty about a Wing Chun punch is that it's not like, <clears throat> it's not like that. It's like, <laughs> you know, and you do a thousand of them a day when you first start, you know, well, some people do. We, we you know, that's, we train hard. No, that's one of the reasons I like Wing Chun is because the moves are very simple. It's basically the human reaction natural. None of this stuff is it. You know, that kind of stuff, right? I mean, yeah. that's you see in a Kung Fu movie. Yeah, right. But and that's it, not no, practical. It, it's not practical, right? Because this guy, guy is not going to stand here and let me punch him. He won't react, right? right. So, uh, so <laughs> it's the most direct one. Boom. And in fact, if you are, if you actually have just a one good punch, that's all, that's all you need to end the fight. You but know? that training process to prepare yourself and to have that... Yeah. The, so what I'm hearing or trying to understand is that a lot of this is based on, you know, you mentioned this uh, idea of a tree and the grounding and the structure of connecting from the top of your head to to this this grounding. Um, and you're using use, utilizing kind of a scientific knowledge in understanding the body and your positioning to how how to construct your your strength for self i have one more question for you before we wrap is you know as for bodies you know we mentioned like maybe girls have a different way of having to maneuver but you give me confidence that even like a lightweight like me i can find a way to train to use my whatever i have in my strength to do something but what about older people you mentioned you made fun of yourselves for your age but for aging bodies, how do we um, approach this art form? And are there limitations or are there expectations? Should we, is this a mind over matter thing? How do we kind of allow people in different phases of life and aging you know, processes to approach this? It's not by learning techniques. It's by understanding how to move your body in such a way that you're not uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we have a very systematic way of teaching how to move so that you feel, you know, from the other person. 
where where it's not safe and and where it where it is you know where i i'm not safe uh, i don't feel safe here right but i feel plenty safe right here he tries to reach me with it remember a punch is powerful only in this direction right wow. and so we show you exactly how to position yourself in relation to the other person's gravity line with lines and avatars not with us that could be making mistakes especially at our age but by mathematically aligning uh the relationships involved getting you to see the relationships and giving you the footwork to move from one position to the next that's you great know? yeah and and i think just to pull back and wrap up is that it's really a great analogy to your your larger approach in life right it's your positioning it's your spatial awareness and your relationships with people and how you avoid exactly. certain contact or want it, right? So I'm going to leave people with that. And I think it's really um, great that you shared a little bit of your demonstration. You shared the history of Wing Chun and you shared your passion for it and how it came about so that you came about to the, to create this book. So congratulations on this new book. Um, hopefully, maybe we can see your training in, in the near future around UH or, or anywhere else in the world because we need to share this knowledge. Thank you so much. This is Paul Chu and Greg Tupper. Thank you. Thank you.